back to Arcane Liberation Radio. My name is Remy Vega, and on the other end here, we've got Chad Kilgore. Um, today, we're going to be talking about uh, a topic that both of us have addressed, I think, in large part on our respective social media platforms or in conversations with people. And um, we're going to we're kind of going to start off with an intro to this idea. And today's topic is natural law. So this is going to be an introduction to natural law. Um, the concept, uh, what we mean when we refer to it, um, we're going to try to cover, you know, the basics of it, but also kind of answer some questions that I think that we've both received from, you know, some of our, you know, friends, peers, uh, and get at least a basis to kind of get started off on where to go with studying this idea. Um, so, um, without, without going too deep into the, the entirety of the topic, I, I, I'm gonna, uh, you know, I think what, what we really want to do is give people, um, a basis of something to work with. So, so that it, it's something that you can take and understand the concept as, as opposed to, you know, all of the different ways that it's been described and kind of like distill, um, you know, an expansion of the idea as well. So not simply just referring to the, to the, the past when it's been referred to the concept of natural law, but also sort of remove some inconsistencies that have developed along the way. And it, uh, you know, according to our own, you know, diligence that we've applied to the idea. So, um, yeah, it's, it, we, we'll, we'll try We might try to split this up into a few, but, um, you know, overall, we're just going to give sort of a basic overview of the concept itself. So, uh, Chad, if you want to go ahead and, you know, maybe start off, give them sure. kind of a definition. Yeah. Um, in my mind, and that was an excellent introduction, Remy. Well done, sir. <laughs> in my mind, um, just through my understanding of what I've read and what I've, uh, studied, I think that the natural law, natural laws of, um, our realm, so to speak, are here for our like evolutionary progress. You know what I mean? So they're, they're like here to help you learn right from wrong, but to evolve as you do that, you know, to le essentially learn from your past mistakes. And so by doing that, you evolve and become a better human being, right? Both um, in the material and spiritually, hopefully, if you're learning the lessons um, that are being presented to you. And so just a basic rough definition um, that is the clearest one in my mind is natural law is the spiritual law that governs the consequences of human behavior in um, beings that have the ability for um, higher intelligence, so to speak. So this is basically just applies to humans and not the animal kingdom. And um, so, yeah. These are just, it's the law that's in effect. It's cause and effect. You know, there is an, um, a cause to every effect we see in our world. And so today we're just going to kind of break down um, the basic introductory idea of this and why it's important and why this is something that not needs to be adhered to just because it's some kind of dogma that, you know, religious dogma that we're preaching, but because if we do align ourselves with it, we evolve and become better humans in, in the process. So, yeah, agreed. Yeah. It's, um, so 
I, I think working with the definition um, so that we could be sort of clear on what it is, that's, I think that's a, a really good um, sort of, uh, you know, a, a, a distilled version of, of why the concept of natural law is important for, you know, within the human framework. So like you said, for example, like it's not applicable to, to the animal kingdom. Um, I would say that the it, sort of to expand on that, the reason why you would say it, it, I would say that it's a singular law and there that overall continuity of the law is applicable across all scales and all fields and all levels of consciousness. But the, the, the aspect that, that what I think, Chad is sort of referring to and saying that it's not applicable to, 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 you know, the animal kingdom is the aspect of it that is actually discernible because of our actual ability to, to recognize cause and effect in a way that, that other animals may not quite be at the level of understanding. So we have a this, higher consciousness. That's, exactly. You know, right. Yeah. yeah. The, and that, so that, that's a, that's a, 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 that's like an integral part of it is that those who have the ability for higher intelligence and who have the ability to really use consciousness and even observe and, uh, you know, analyze their own consciousness. So that that's, as far as we know, um, humans have a, an ability to do such a thing and that animals don't. So there's a certain level of, of applicable cause and effect that we are going to experience because we're not nescient to that, right? So it's kind of like the concept of, 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 of nescience versus ignorance. It's something that we actually have the capacity to learn and understand through our ability to reason, which, you know, human beings have this ability to reason in a way that, that we actually are able to recognize patterns in existence. And the, the ability to recognize patterns in existence uh, gives rise to sort of the, uh, the responsibility to understand what, the consequences of those patterns entail. And that's what, that's what natural law is in, in the sense of applied to human, um, human behaviors. So everything has its cause and effect nature within, within the observable cosmos, within the world that we inhabit. Um, so it, it's sort of addressing the question, well, how does that apply to human behaviors, human societies, and, and, and so forth? Um, so uh, there's definitely going to be a lot of automatic, um, ideas that come to mind when you, when you start talking about that human behavior, morality, ethics, you know, um, uh, and then human society as humans, you know, congregate and then begin to enact actions that have a cause and effect nature to them. Um, so I think in, in a simple sense, I, 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 I have another wording of, of the same idea and I am in complete agreement of, uh, Chad's wording of it. Um, another way that you could potentially def define it, it, it's, it's really just saying the same thing in different words. It's the inherent conditions that dictate and govern the cause and effect relationships between actions and their inherent consequence. So natural law is the law that determines the quality of the conditions humans experience as societies at the large scale due to the fact that it's an all-encompassing law that is essentially singular um, and has, a, has an aspect of continuity between, between all aspects. So we, what we're addressing is specifically the, the, the aspect that, that relates to human behaviors and how they affect other human beings. Absolutely. Yeah. I like the way you put it as well. So, and um, I don't know if you want to go here or not, but I'm going to go here. Um, the, 
and this is hugely important right now, especially right now when everything's so wide out wide. Um, it's so in the open, I should say, because we have a current system, which we are taking most of the karmic consequences for what the control quote unquote control class wants us to do. You know, we're basically doing their bidding for them and we are taking the punishment for that. And so this is why it's huge that we understand what this is, how it works and how we can align ourselves with it. Because otherwise we're going to get more of the same, you know, garbage in garbage out. It's the old uh, input processing and output, you know? And so if we continue down this path, we're just going to get more chaos and slavery. I don't believe there's going to be any, um, anything that's going to change the outcome other than, us on an individual level. And so that's going to involve us taking responsibility and understanding how our world really works and aligning ourselves with it. And so that to me is a huge reason why we need to understand this like yesterday, as opposed to, you know, whenever our trauma in our own lives gets so bad that we are forced to recognize it because it will, it can get there. It doesn't happen to everybody, but it can get there to where you have no choice but to look at your life again and figure out where the hell did I go wrong? Because you, you know, going further may just lead to too much trauma to even continue on in life. Who knows? But um, so, yeah, we have this system to where we're doing the bidding for these people. And some people would say, well, look, they show us, you know, what they're going to do before they do it through predictive programming, you know, movies and entertainment books, all this stuff. And so this is a lot of people would say, this is them relieving themselves of their karmic consequences, right? They're like, we told you, see, look, we showed it to you in a movie. You watched the movie, but you didn't, it didn't register to you. So that's on you because you didn't, you didn't take that in and do something about it. You didn't take action after we showed you what, what was going to happen. And and so we're in a, we're in a world where we're um, not recognizing these things. We don't recognize the patterns because we don't have a high enough consciousness collectively and we're facing the consequences of that. And so um, I kind of lost where I was going with that, but no, <laughs> I, I think, no, I think that that's uh, uh, not, that actually touches on something that I, I do. I do want to kind of point out because um, this, this is why um things look as bad as they do right now. Um, because it's like, here's what we're going to do. And it's not even that these, these, these actions are getting thrust upon us and forced upon us. We're actually doing them. We're actually making and putting actions forth that are bringing this and that it really comes down to that. So it's like, if, if we're seeing a specific outcome, then that means that certain actions are being taken. That means that we have to take this approach of starting at the observation at where it's manifesting and then tra tracking it back to its original steps. So um, recognizing this pattern of, of how manifestation occurs is, is one of the aspects that, that testifies to the, the continuity. And I've used that word a lot of times, if I will, the continuity <laughs> of, of, of natural law of the natural laws or overall fundamental laws of existence. So this idea um, that, you know, we're, we're seeing the consequences play out, but I think a big problem is that instead of going back to 
one, number one, step one, we're, we're, we keep on being, we're, we keep on trying to step, change step three without changing step one and two. We're not changing what, what information we put in. We're not changing how we even process it. And so we keep trying to just make different actions. We take different actions. We think that we're, re, we're restructuring the actions, but we haven't even changed the way that we think. So by virtue of steps one and two never actually being addressed, it's not that we're not even actually changing anything because you, nobody has really fundamentally changed how they view um, you know, this entire process of how action comes to, comes to manifest. So this concept is, is that there are basic, there are very simple, you know, delineations between actions. There are actions that cause harm and then there are actions that don't, don't cause harm. And natural law is essentially recognizing that basic dynamic and then understanding that universal principle and applying it to all of the different claims that you come across, applying it to the claims that you make, and then applying it to the understanding that you're, that you're, um, you know, going through and processing and then, and then applying that, that analysis to the actions that you're taking and seeing if those are, if those are, you know, consistent with that understanding of don't cause harm. And by recognizing that, um, this, this concept must be a natural concept. It must be, in other words, inherent. It must be um, real. It must actually be a, a fundamental aspect of existence. Otherwise, it's not something at all, essentially. And this is why we address the concept of truth itself. Um, because, you know, I, at, a, at a fundamental axiomatic level, um, the question is either, you know, can you know something or is nothing even knowable? Um, you can't really empirically prove either of those things, but the, the world that, that manifests as the implications of each one of those, um, uh, each one of those axiomatic foundations, I either truth can be known by way of consciousness or truth is, or, or knowledge are, are inaccessible by way of, of consciousness. And we're trapped in a circle. Basically one of those is just going to create a, a continuous loop of, basically circular reasoning and sanity. The other one at least starts the process where you have something found, you have a foundation to build upon and it's viable because it, it's, it doesn't make sense that you can't know anything. So then once you've, you've come to this understanding, then that means, okay, there, you have to get past that leap. And, and, you know, some may say that, that, that's, that's the only thing you can never really prove in the sense of, uh, uh, of positive claim or induction or deduction. And I think that's where the, the process of retroduction becomes really important, which is probably something we could do a, an entire show about after kind of, you know, doing a good amount of research on it. But once that's established, then it, it, then, then that's the, 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 you know, ultimate conclusion is, okay, well then there must be certain, certain grounds to justice within, within the, um, you know, inhabited universe so that's where the concept of 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 law is then extrapolated from so um we have sort of this question of does this you know the the, the spiritual aspect of it and then the physical aspect of it like the you know the natural sciences and in this, in this, in the spiritual aspect of it and there's been sort of like a divergence in the in the modern world um between the two seemingly so where the natural sciences don't treat the concept of ethics and morals as something that could be knowable. Now you can't really put it through the scientific method proper of, um, you know, I, like an independent variable and, and hypothesis, et cetera, et cetera. 
it's not um it doesn't apply to that but that's as that's a that scientific method applies to materials or manifest you know phenomena within the, the physical world i think that you can reach a root understanding of it through recognizing um the steps and um processes of logic and um some epistemological questions um but once you've come to at least exploring that, and by the way, this is something that I can't take down from the mountain and give to somebody. Chad can't go and take it down and not from the mountain to give to somebody. This is something that you will have to do yourself. So we're just kind of saying, Hey, this is, this is what I've discovered and it applies and it seems very plausible. But once you've come to that conclusion that, all right, well, I think that knowledge is an important thing. Truth is something that we should try to attain. Then, um, then you begin to now lay the foundations for your actions. Um, and in a very simple sense, you're, you're starting with first individual, individual um, actions between two or more people. And so there, that question of, okay, well then there has to be a foundation of justice and without the foundation of justice, um, then all, you know, all forms of, of, um, you know, uh, bringing any sort of, um, any sort of, you know, whether it be a complaint about it or um, just addressing, addressing an injustice becomes, it becomes, and it's, 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 it's not a, it's not a feasible or viable um, basis to even start upon. If you, if you don't recognize that justice itself, or in other words, right, justice, meaning right, um, is, is an inherent part of, uh, of existence. So the process then is, how does this, how does this apply and how can we observe and, and, and recognize this function of law within, within the, the noble universe in, in regards to behaviors, spirit, and then its subsequent physical actions that actually then do occur within the 3d physical empirical universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think just a look back at history too, shows you exactly um, is the proof you need for uh, natural law being in effect because you know, we read about all these downfalls of civilizations and, um, you know, there has to be an underlying cause to how that happened. You know, every, um, you know, civilization or um, culture in the past, there is a causal factor as to why that culture fell. You know, whether it was um, they drifted more towards, uh, you know, materialism as we see today. And then eventually you're just... Um, you're so far off the um, path of truth and, and uh, out of alignment with natural law that you essentially get um, ran over reset as a culture. You know what I mean? It's um, it's just how this place works. If you get too far out of alignment, then it's going to, it's, it's how nature works, you know, nature balances itself out and we are nature, you know? And so we are, whether we want to suffer, um, how long we suffer is going to be up to us. So, because I know a lot of people that are like, you know, it's the great mass awakening and, you know, and, you know, we're, um, God and truth wins, which is true. I agree with that. How long we're going to suffer is going to be up to us. You know, we are in control because we have free will. We are in control of how long we're going to suffer. And, um, so I know a lot of people are waiting for the, um, some kind of save, savior to come save us. But I think that is recognizing that it's within ourselves to do that. And, um, and it's within ourselves to take responsibility for our lives and, um, 
get in alignment with these, with this natural law, because otherwise, you know, we're going to suffer. Our future generations are going to suffer because as Passio says, evil can win, you know, evil can win. And I don't think it can win permanently forever for all time, but I think it can win in the short term, you know, that could be a thousand years, you know, who knows, but if we do nothing and sit back and just think somebody else has got this taken care of, um, we are going to suffer as, as a, as a collective group of human beings. And, uh, that's to me where I think a lot of people don't understand Remy that we co-create this world, you know, and, and natural law helps us co-create it because it's the deterministic, um, aspect of our actions of our free will choices, right? If it's a good choice that we make, we're going to get a good result from that. If it's a bad choice, we're going to get a bad result. Natural law is our teacher. It's how we learn. And so it's, like I said, it's the deterministic aspect of our actions. And, um, you know, and if you're too heavy in the, in the right brain and just thinking everything's determined, you're going to sit on your ass and not take action. You know, you're not going to be in unity consciousness, which is thoughts, emotions, and actions all in alignment. You're just going to be waiting for, you're going to be in that savior complex thinking, you know, Q or Trump or, you know, Jesus is going to descend and save us. Or, you know, if you're too heavy in the left brain, you know, you're just purely logical thinking. You don't have, you're out of sync, essentially, you know, you're not in thought, emotion and action. And I think a lot of people are lacking that, uh, that third aspect of unity consciousness, which is taking action, you know, and it's, and for me, man, it's a lot of people I know that really talk the talk, whatever, whatever um, things weren't on the line. But when things are on the line, they're silent. It's because they're out of sync. I'm, hmm. I'm just making it distinctly clear that the people who don't take action whatsoever in times when um, shit really hits the fan and, and things are on the line, you're out of sync with unity consciousness. You're not you may think one way and feel one way, but you're not taking action in accordance with those thoughts and emotions. Right. Or you're missing, or you're, you're missing one of those, of those three aspects. And I think that's, that's like very, uh, that's telling of sort of where the imbalance lies, because sometimes when you become like, uh, you know, you could say an overly right brain person, it's more, it's all just emotion and then an action. And then sometimes when you come overly left brain, it's all just thought and an action. You know what I mean? It's very mental. And then you act on it. And then if you're like very like disconnected and everything is just sort of chaotic and me and sort of that nihilistic, but like kind of like feel good nihilism that a lot of people have, it's like, Oh, everything is just random and means nothing. And it, it, but it feels good. You know, this like this very like feel good nihilism is often just emotion and action. So it's just this constant feedback loop. It's two out of yeah, three, right. which is really, it's a really interesting dynamic because two, two out of three, when you two divided by three is 0. 0.6666666 six, 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 six repeat. You know? so, and <laughs> oh, it's a, wow. That's yeah, nice. So, yeah. Nice correlation there. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that, um, to sort of, uh, to zoom in on this and maybe zoom out this concept of natural law is you could say it's, it's, it's called by many names. So as we're looking at the, uh, we're sort of looking at all the different effects that happen when, when people are out of line with it. And it's like, well, what, what is it? It's like, okay, well, um, when people become out of line with this, you see on grand scale, like societies, um, fall and, and, and succumb to a lot of mass scale suffering. And like, as you said, evil can win in the sense that, um, 
evil, which is the privation of truth, which is the privation of good, which truth and good are, are, you know, in the, in the sense of, um, you know, the corpus hermeticum, um, which I, I'd like the way it's worded that good and truth are, are the same essence there. The, it's the same principle, um, described by different, you know, maybe different, um, different, you know, functions in, um, the, the concept of evil, which is the privation of truth or the pri privation of good, um, it can be the predominant modality um, that is that is experienced for an extended period of time. And as people say, oh, well, God is always going to, you know, God and truth will always win. And that is true because even in times when suffering is is predominant and evil is predominant, well, God is, or in other words, yeah, so truth is winning still because truth is showing it, showing us by way of um, casting a shadow of, of truth and good and removing that, that the experience that we're seeing is in fact exactly harmonious with the underlying law that is laid forth by the creator, right? So it's like, that that's when, when consequence happens exactly as it should, that is what justice is. So that could look really ugly for a lot of people who are participating in living in a way that's absolutely delusional and out and completely out of sync with that, which actually is now the job of figuring out how to do that. That's, that's the entirety of why humanity even be, begun started um, to, um, assess and try to understand this concept of law or this concept of, of, um, you know, natural order or, um, as all the different terms, uh, apply to it. So this idea is, is, has been called many names. It's been called universal law, karmic law, you know, cause and effect, um, spiritual law, the moral law, ethic, you know, ethics, the natural order or natura naturans, which is nature as nature is, or just universal principles, right. Or first principles, it's this concept that um, that we've we've sort of given a nod to, but it hasn't. I, in in my honest perspective, it, it isn't. It hasn't really been worked out um, perfectly in any specific cultural um, cultural uh, you know framework or um, within uh, any specific application of what we call law systems. So um, we, maybe we don't have to get into that right now, but I just think it's important to recognize not to get stuck in the title and that we're actually looking at functional principles here, which is what brings us to the, the mass mass scale representation of either the harmony or dissonance with the simplistic unified law, which, um, one last thing, and then I'll, 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 pa I'll pass the mic. Um, the, the Fibonacci sequence, I think is a really brilliant, um, there's a really brilliant analogy sort of, of this representation of order that occurs within the universe. So, um, you know, the first five digits of the Fibonacci sequence are one, one, two, three, five, um, one being principle, or you could even see that as the, 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 the principle as the, um, the singular grounds of existence, the, the absolute, the creator, and then one, the second one being the, the, the um, attribute of the creator and the one being the creator itself, the second one in the sequence being identical to the creator in the sense of, of, um, of omnipotence or omnipresence, but it's, it's, it's manifest form. And that to me is a representation of uh law 
in in the sense of universal law or principle principle meaning first things right like that's what the word means or the the actual grounds of existence and then two comes from that and that's the duality right so that's the the polarization that's where thought comes in. and then and then it unifies within to matter which is the thoughts emotion and action is three and then you have the five sense reality which is the next number which is the the ability to manifest um and understand the previous steps within a, a fully encapsulated or crystallized existence and um and then it goes forward right so i um this to me is is sort of like a mathematical mathematical representation, or I wouldn't say mathematical, but a, num, a numerological representation of the the um, the continuous um, you know harmony of of the concept of natural law. So um, that's sort of you know something that I, I also wanted to uh, kind of bring the analogy of, and so um, do you sort of want to touch on the functions of natural law and specific. Yeah, let's touch on the functions of natural law. Um, the so this is the individual's method of interacting with and applying the key fundamentals and principles of natural law on the microcosmic scale, on the individual scale. You know, um, so it, we have something called the law, law of freedom, which is as morality increases in the aggregate in the group of collective human beings then freedom will increase in the aggregate and as morality degenerates um, or lessens in the aggregate we will also receive less freedom in the aggregate now a simple uh, look out into the world can kind of tell us where we're at in uh, morality and consciousness um, if we take an honest look in my opinion if we take an honest look at where we're at um, we're closing in on a um, full-scale tyrannical um, technocracy surveillance state. And if anybody would call that true human freedom, I would say we need to um, get back to uh, the basic definitions of what true human freedom is. And um, without ranting too far, you know, <laughs> I don't want to get off base because I know I can go on tangents if I get a little heated, but um you know, if you just look out into the world, I think you can see that we are not doing our part in the uh, collective group of in the uh, morality department, you know, in order to get that freedom, you know, and again, this ties directly in with natural law as you, as you put in, you get out, you know, we're, we're the universe is a giant mirror. We're getting exactly what we deserve. And I know that's very unpopular for people to hear. And it's, not something I enjoy, enjoy hearing that um, we're getting exactly what we deserve, but it's the truth. And if we recognize the truth, we can uh, better, better our actions, take right action over wrong action and uh, get back into alignment. And let's see, Remy already touched on uh, the golden ratio, the uh, Fibonacci sequence and all that. He did a great job of breaking that down, but I wanted to just, um, I mean, and things like that, just to me, show the hand of God, you know, show the hand of creation in, um, in, in nature, so to speak. And um, so I was reading also, um, I'm reading also the same book that Remy's reading there, and it's called Natural Law in the Spiritual World. Isn't it world, Remy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
and so I just, I saved this little quote from there and I loved it. And I think it relates to uh, being able to see God or see nature. Um, and, uh, just see that it, it's really there, you know? So it says the crustacea of mammoth cave in Kentucky have eyes to see, but they cannot see externally. There are, their eyes look perfect, but inside is just ruins. The crustacea of mammoth cave have chosen to abide in darkness. Therefore they have become fitted for it by refusing to see. They have waived the right to see and nature has grimly humored them. Nature had to do it by her very constitution. So essentially remaining in darkness and refusing to see, remaining in ignorance, nature has, you know, eliminated the fish's eyesight. And if you just take that, you know, and what we're seeing today by remaining in ignorance, you know, um, I think nature or God has eliminated the ability for people to see. You know, and I'm talking about see through lies and deception, see um, spirit, be able to see God in nature, you know, be able to see God in your everyday life. And I think that's just how it works, man. You don't use it, you lose it. It's um, degradation. You know, if, uh, if you decide to stop working out or something, you can't expect to be, have a ton of muscle. Um, yeah, it's like in direct proportion. That. That's in, that's in, that's incredible. That, I have to find that yeah. quote. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's it's direct proportion to the willpower that's that's put forth essentially. Like it, with, it, with that example, even just of the of the the crustaceans, it's like the the sustained willpower actually manifested a change within the actual morphology of the of the species. That's mm-hmm. and and I think that I think by by observation. Um, that, yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that applies not just to physical things, but the physical is, is a mirror of that, you know, underlying principle that shows that that's, yeah, that's insane. It's incredible. Actually, well, actually that's the definition of sanity, right? It's about, I mean, it's perfect order. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and, uh, I think some, to kind of, uh, put it into, into, you know, two simple, um, categories just for, uh, just for the, the sake of, being able to kind of, um, you know, analyze it and then and process it and see how it works and, and use it as a, um, you know, as, as an, as a, a mental experiment, even, um, looking at, um, the two different functions sort of, of natural, of natural law would be, uh, breaking it down to the microcosmic scale, which we've, we've kind of been touching upon this in a certain, ex- to a certain extent, but, um, just to categorize it, it kind of maybe, maybe to help visualize it in your mind to, you know, maybe it'll help to, um, absorb it and, and really, and really connect with it. Um, so we have the microcosmic scale of natural law, and that's going to be, um, what's understood as morals, ethics, and values, you know, the things that you do. Um, and that's how the individual, I think this is what almost exact, I think the exact words pretty much that, that Chad mentioned earlier is that it's, this is the individual's method of interacting, interacting with and implying the key fundamentals and principles of natural law. So that's how a person in their own specific, you know, in their, with it, within their own power is able to use their observation, um, use their, you know, their compassion, their care, and then, um, you know, really put into, into consideration with, within, you know, within your consciousness um, and then come to a level of conscience, um, which is knowledge, you know, con with and uh, skio, skiere, which means knowledge. So that's how you develop conscience, which is a knowing 
um, of, of the, 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 the fundamental difference between an, uh, a legitimate action or a, a right action, um, which is an action that doesn't cause harm, and then uh, an action that does cause harm. And recognizing that, you know, scale on a daily basis within every action that you put into, into, um, into the world. So that's the microcosmic, um, the microcosmic expression of, um, of how natural law is ap applied. Um, and then as, um, and this is sort of a recap, but as, as Chad said, then the, there's sort of the law of freedom or the law of, of social harmony or the, um, the law of, of, of suffering or the law of, um, you know, uh, that would be the inverse, right? The law of suffering or the, the law of um, freedom or the law of liberty is that um, on a large scale, however people, how, however effectively people are applying the microcosmic um, principles of morals, ethics, and values within your life, um, as that begins to conglomerate into a, uh, an overall experience or expression of what humanity sees manifest, um, that is the, that's the basic macrocosmic representation of natural law. Um, and it's, 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 you know, going back to the concept of, of like the golden ratio, this is, this is proportionality. So, um, and this is actually true holography. Um, a hologram is that which contains the entirety of the information within each unit or within each, um, you know, subsection of the, the overall, um, the overall uh, projected image. So this is how, this is how that holography works in the grand scheme of things. And natural law is basically just you recognizing, um, the very simple concepts that lead to either, um, uh, a harmonious interaction either between one-on-one -on -one or between one-on-10 on or a thousand-to-one or a million-to, you know, um, this is still basically the same uh, fundamental proportionality that's being applied to that. Um, and when you look at, and this is, this is where the next step becomes incredibly important because people will say, oh, well, okay, then how do I apply natural law in my life? And it's like, well, what, then the question is then, well, what do you mean by that? Apply. Um, but to, to, to understand how this is to be understood and integrated, um, this is by the individual's willpower and attention that you, that you apply natural law. And then it, it comes to, um, the responsibility of asking the question, okay, what systems do I believe in? What systems do I support? What beliefs do I have? What beliefs do I support and propagate and putting each one of those through the filter of, you know, uh, you could say it's trivium or, or just the, the general idea of, of processing and, and, and retroductively removing all of the inconsistencies and removing that, which is simply just the, uh, um, uh, you know, the, the, you just, you remove all of the, the ineffective aspects or that you remove all the impossibilities is what I'm trying to say. Um, and then you come to an understanding of what actually remains while you're observing that, while you're analyzing that system or belief or claim, then that's where you're going to start to be able to harmonize each one of these little units of your understanding of your consciousness. You look at your belief systems, you look at the social systems that you support and that you, that you claim are, are uh, either solutions or legitimate. 
And, and by having this fundamental law uh, underlying it, it, it's, it's, it's the, it has to be applied from the most basic level at its fundamental claim to either have any legitimacy or not. And if you start with a bad claim and you start with a, a, a bad axiom and you extrapolate that further and further out, then the error becomes compounded and it becomes, it becomes exponential as it increases. So having then the ability to differentiate is an incredibly important part of this. So it, it, it requires, it requires again, like that process of, of, of gathering and achieving conscience, which is, it's not just a feeling or a belief. It's an, it's knowledge It's a knowledge of the difference between right and wrong. So that's why it even, that's why it has skio skiere science in it. Um, and now it's not saying that it's the science in the terms of material sciences, but in the general understanding of knowledge, a, a form of knowledge. Um, and I think um, this might segue into a good, uh, into the next kind of thing that I wanted to uh, give an intro of. And I don't know if we'll go into super deep detail on this, but I do want to say um, now when, when we're dealing with the idea of what, natu- what is natural law, um, oftentimes knowing what something is the best way to know what it is, is by knowing what it's not. And that is largely the concept of retroduction or, um, uh, you know, via negativa apophatic inquiry. So, um, before, before we get into that, can I just interject one thing? Yes. Absolutely. Um, and then I'll let you go on that or whatever, wherever you want to go with that. Um, as you were kind of alluding to, I think people, and we've discussed this before. Um, I think people need to understand that natural law isn't something, and I said this, but I just want to say it again. It's not just a dogma to believe in and be scared of like, you know, laws written by man, because these are, whenever you come into knowledge of the laws or natural law, whenever you come into knowledge of it, you understand it and you align your thoughts, emotions, and actions to it. It's because you you align with them naturally because they are nature and we are nature. We, we sync ourselves up with them. It's not because we fear them that we choose right action over wrong. It's because we are, we've elevated our consciousness to a state that that's what we naturally do. And man's law, you know, the law, the ridiculous laws we have that are morally relativistic, where if I cross a state line now, this law is, I can be punished for, you know, carrying a gun across the state line, but I can't, I can do it in my state, you know, people largely obey those because they're afraid of punishment, you know, from a corrupt institution. And like I say, that's based on moral relativism and has absolutely no authority in the um, 3d realm. You know, it it doesn't have actually any real bearing. Yeah. So I just wanted to differentiate as to why someone would want to, you know, align themselves with natural law. I think it's something that naturally happens as we evolve. You know, I don't think it's something that we necessarily do just because we were scared of the punishment. You know what I mean? No, I totally agree with that. I think that, um, I think even the, the, the idea, because these words, the idea itself becomes really obfuscated and it could be uh, a little bit, um, it, it, it probably throws people off in, in general because yeah, it, it's, 
it, you know, we're, we are dealing with concepts of like spirituality, which maybe the materialist might be a little bit, you know, or the atheist might be a little bit, um, uh, you know, reluctant to, to consider. Um, now, um, I'm not here to try to convince anybody of, of a belief in a creator. Uh, um, but I think that also on, uh, on the side of that, as, as far as like sort of like this, these reactions that we have um, towards the idea, um, yeah, like it's not just like, and I think when we think law, we, it's really, really common. Um, it's really, really common that, uh, that people hear the term law and then they're going to really equate it with what we've, what we've seen as, as legal systems or law systems of, of you know, various scope. Um, and generally, and I think this is why, you know, you said it's like, you don't follow it because you're afraid of punishment, but it's like, that's the primary function of, of every human legal code or human law code, whether in one in the Force same, it. right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's forced. And, forced. um, yeah. Um, and that is where it, it, it becomes the responsibility of the, uh, of the, of the individual to start kind of putting, you know, putting the hypothesis and the theory and the, 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 you know, the claim into, into question and seeing what has logical viability. Um, so that's, I think where you start to get into the territory of kind of what I was, you know, what I was getting into a little bit a second ago is that now what is, what is not natural law? What, what, what is natural law not? Um, so, uh, this is again, like I said, uh, is like the concept of, um, apophatic inquiry, or it's like, it's, it's recognizing something that is by recognizing what it's not. And it's a really, it's a really, um, effective way of coming to an understanding of something, especially if the thing that you're trying to under come to an understanding of, isn't just a physical object. Um, because, uh, as is, I've heard it explained that it's, 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 um, it's the method of coming to the ultimate truth of something or to the absolute by way of disobjectification and subjective synthesis. So it's, you, you remove, um, you, you at, at a certain point, you, you recognize that the, the, the physical world is built on the grounds of, of mind. Um, so therefore you won't really be able to assess and come to an understanding of the, the pre-manifest world by using the same methodologies that you would to understand, you know, the cause and effect nature of, you know, you know, physical particles or, or materials in the world. So a good way of understanding something like that is just identifying all the things that it isn't because, because the, because the logic itself creates a circular reasoning. That's it. it it's, you can't gain any traction. You can't gain any, any type of basis. And when assessing that, which is left behind, then you actually do, um, you are offered some form of clarity. So by applying that method, let's say what natural law is not because the term, obviously there's connotation to each word natural and law, right? So um, as uh, I think the only person I've seen break it down etymologically this way, but I think it's a, it's a pretty, it's a, it's a possible etymological basis of the word natural is nature maybe coming from Nater or Nater, which is Nater from, from, um, from the, you know, ancient Egyptian, which meant divine or, um, or, uh, you know, God spirit is what Nater means. So there's a possibility that nature itself has that, that connotation etymologically going back to, you know, 
ancient languages. Not, not for sure, but generally we see natural in regards to the physical world. We usually see that as being either the physical world or that which is readily observable and at least seems solid or, uh, you know, based in something tangible or at least, um, you know, feasible. So I would say, um, as, as for looking at, as, as I've looked at this, this idea, I've come to a lot of alternate descriptions and I'm weeding out the inconsistencies, the ones that just don't work. So one thing that, uh, natural law, I am, as we're speaking of it in the concept to the principle that we're referring to, um, it's not natural selection. So it's not like, you know, um, the idea of the law of the jungle or the law of, 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 um, you know, natural selection as proposed by primarily within the, the school of, of Darwinism or neo-Darwinism, um, or, you know, social Darwinism, this, this concept. I have um, that quote by, uh, George Bush pulled up too. Ah, uh, yeah. He said, um, we have before us, I think he was speaking at the UN. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some, yeah. I, I, think I think he was. Yeah. yeah. He said, we have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations, a new world order a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle governs the conduct of nations. And what he's talking about is the rule of the law of man ruling, not the law of the jungle and the law of the jungle he's talking about is natural law. So basically they they want to usurp the, the creator's power and insert their laws to overwrite natural law. Absolutely. And, and it's really interesting because in other places where you hear of this term of the law of the jungle or, or natural order, um, generally from materialists or um, people of that ilk, it's, it's generally referring to um, kind of the most brutish, violent aspects of nature. And then they're equating it with that. So yeah. then it also further mm -hmm. obfuscates the understanding even of the 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 fundamental principle of natural law so you have like kind of like this dual obfuscation in that because you have people trying to usurp that which is the actual universal order and claim you know linguistically basically claim that they're the ones that get to decipher uh that which is right and that which is not right um and that's actually where that concept of jurisdiction comes from right juris or use which is law or right or you know um, in Latin and then dictare, which I think is actually Greek, right? Or it's the other way around, usurus, um, and then dictare. Um, either way, so that means to speak or that which I say is right. I, I, by, by speech to create right, to, to speak that mm -hmm. which is right. Or in other words, I, what I say, that becomes the law. And that's an absurd idea in, in and of itself. Um, um, so natural law um, is then... Um, oftentimes, so I think there's a lot of people speaking about natural law right now. Um, and it's, I, I think that a lot of them are essentially aware of the concept and I'm not saying like that we're like the ultimate experts on this or that, you know, and that's no one's ever the expert on that because natural law is, is the expert of, of, of itself, which is, you know, as I said, like this is within creation, we just have the ability to, um, observe it and become accurately aware of it. And app and and then apply it um, to varying degrees, you know, consistent with our with our willpower and and desire to do so. But um, this idea, I think, most people are are, are like acutely aware of it, and you're, you're seeing it spoken of a lot more. And so, 
this is uh, another thing that uh, this is going to be a, a, a I don't know this is going to be a, a, a shaky one. Um, so we're going to have to kind of get into it a little bit, I think, and then um, and then and then you know explain why this isn't like this isn't like an all out attack and uh, you know, but it is I think something that does need to be addressed. So. Yeah. Let's preface also, let's put on our big boy and girls pants and we're here, we're here to, for the truth, you know, we're here to figure out what, you know, the actual truth of the matter is and align ourselves with that and not buy into, um, nonsensical systems and, you know, things that are going to deter us from actually, um, taking the hard road, which is the path of truth, in my opinion. You know, any, I think a lot of these shortcuts and things that they're selling as shortcuts are dangerous because people tend to get caught up in them. You know what I mean? And, and it prevents us from further progress. It events, it prevents us from um, evolving to where we need to be. And for some people, it prevents them from taking real action, you know? And, and so to me, it is a, massive um massively misguided thing to um to focus solely on this and not recognize the bigger uh truly spiritual law in effect um and just focus on uh this one aspect yeah um so that kind of brings into 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 play um in in my mind at least um then applying and using the concept of occam's razor that which is, you know, generally the requires the least assumptions is most likely going to be the truth, right? Um, so this 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 is the this is what we're 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 walking <laughs> we're alluding to. Um, natural law is often um, equated with, or or at least spoken of as being compatible um, with two general things. So I'll take the big one first, and then I'll take the, the, the smaller one second. So the, the concept of conceptual naturalism is the idea that, um, things are only legal in finger quotes in so much as they conform to natural law. So in other words, um, this is the idea that, that human legal systems derive from natural law. Now that's the claim. That's the assertion. Um, but I have, if you, so by applying some logic to that, um, then it, it sort of comes out the other end being, a, uh, I think a, a, a weak claim. Um, so the idea basically of conceptual naturalism is, is, is based funded primarily on the concept of what is like, what's called like the overlap theory. Um, and the overlap theory is basically that there's a certain level of overlap between natural law or inherent morality and legal systems and, and, and law systems. And as long as you don't breach, um, you know, that overlap where you've stepped out of natural law and then now you're only within the realm of legal systems, um, then as long as you stay within that, that overlap, then you're, you know, you're, you're satisfying both systems, so to speak. Um, so this is also, um, you know, I think that there's some, interweaving of the concept of the social contract theory here. So I won't really go super deep into the social contract theory, but um, just in regards to addressing the idea of, of natural law as being the foundation for legal systems and that there's some overlap. And as long as you're, you're good on the, on the moral part, then it's okay to have the legal system. Um, I 
think that this is, or once, once applying the logic, this is, this is a, an untrue claim. Um, so for, for one reason, because it sort of assumes that natural law is inert and, and, and ineffective in and of itself. So it requires a secondary system to be put into place in order for natural law to be, um, you know, a, a relevant dynamic within, within life. And without that, it would just be basically uh, a dead, you know, uh, a dead dynamic that we, we don't really have any access to unless we implement some type of overlapping system that takes it out of the ineffective realm and puts it into the practical realm. And, and I think that, that this is sort of the philosophical idea that's implied through it. It's not necessarily, you know, explicitly stated, but I think it does imply that um, because uh, it, 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 it brings into these concepts, into these, um, it brings into, 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 uh, into these systems, the concept of um, a need for application. Um, so it's not um, conceptual naturalism and it's not the overlap theory. I don't think these, these concepts are not compatible with the, uh, it, um, in my estimation are not compatible with the core fundamentals of natural law. That being that it's, um, you know, like to kind of go back to the way that I, th I think, you know, Mark Passio has a good definition of it, which is a set of universal non-man-made binding and unchangeable conditions, which govern the behavioral consequence of beings with the capacity for holistic intelligence. So that wording, I think, covers um, the idea that there is even a, a plausible overlap in any sense, um, because in and of itself, even outside of saying, oh, well, that person defined it that way. Well, that's not the first person to have ever come, come up with this idea or, or not even come up with, but discover this idea that there's some type of continuous you know, underlying thread that connects all things. And, and it's not a physical thing, but it's a spiritual component to the physical world known as now that we're referring it to as this natural law system or natural law. Um, it isn't compatible with the idea of man-made law systems, whereby we demand specific actions be taken either as a, as a positive law, which is like the idea that, you know, the concept of positive law being that humans lay forth demands. And then that's the legal system that's put forth, whether that be legal or lawful system, which there um, is the idea of, of there being some kind of, you know, delineation between those two, which leads to the next one. So that's just the, the general idea of, of this concept of conceptual naturalism, that legal system. So we're looking at bigger, larger legal systems like you know, if it's a monarchy, but they at least don't break, you know, natural law principles, which is basically don't coerce and don't use violence. Um, that's the basis of it all, right? So any form of demand given by any form of so-called ruling or so-called external authority by virtue of them demanding and then implying that there's some form of punishment if you don't, you know, if you don't comply that obviously right there, that in and of itself is a complete breach of this, over, this so-called overlap. So if you have a legal, so-called legal system or government system that demands you do certain things, otherwise be punished, um, then that is breaching that overlap. So that leaves that concept completely null and void. And then the next concept would be, okay, well, what about laws 
within these legal systems that are, are um, uh, within the confines of, of actual moral, moral issues or actual um, immoral actions being rectified. So then you have the idea of like, oh, well, if somebody kills somebody, then our system will deal with it. And it's like, okay, well, um, that, that to me, it's, it starts to kind of get into muddy waters already. And, 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 and the reason for that is that, um, that already, you have to bring into that idea, the concept of jurisdiction. So then it's like, it's, we punish this person. It's like, that's a conflict between two people. Then within that, then you have to decide, okay, well, who are the people that get to enact that? And then that automatically inherently brings into the, into the system. Um, so it's like, sure, if you want to, if you want to be a voluntary participant in, the, in that kind of system, I think that there are philosophical issues with that because then it starts to bring into, into question, not just competency, but it's actually authority under that, under that, that, that situation. So when we have a certain situation where you have an actual competency and somebody has a specific role to fill and they're more competent in an actual, um, you know, whether it be an actual trade or, uh, even uh, some type of craft or art, then that's not, that's not an, you're not an authority in the sense that you have the ability to enact punishment on another being. So that brings a third party into it. So you have two people who have a conflict or two people. And then therefore like maybe two families, let's say like there's a couple families who end up getting involved in it. Those people have to deal with it themselves because when you read that third party into it, they're now claiming essentially jurisdictional authority over the two people in conflict. And if those two people in conflict, for some reason, according to these people who are overseeing it, get out of lines of the rules that they're laying forth, then they now have the ability to punish both of those people. So this, it starts to bring in variables that are sort of implying this concept of external authority in and of itself, which is something that um, when you look at it is incompatible with natural law. So that brings into the next, uh, into the next negative of what common uh, or of what uh, natural law is not. And um, natural law is not common law. It's, it, it is not common law by historical standards or even by the very vague um, system that people are now sort of um, bringing to the table as being, so it's what seems to be sort of a redefinition of common law based off of its actual historical um, context and development. Um, so uh, that is the next one. And uh, now that's not to say, so that where I would differentiate between all of those forms of government, so the standard you know, government and legal system that uses this, they falsely use this proxy um, of, overlap um where common law i think slightly differentiates is that for the most part most people within a common law framework would say that if i think i don't know this for sure but um their kind of idea is that if you're living in a certain area then you have to abide by those those what they have decided is their common law which is just again another form of moral relativism it's basically saying that we in this area get to decide what is or is not right and that is not inherently saying that we only abide by natural law principles. Because then again, by, by adding an extraneous law system, you are then basically implying that natural law in and of itself is ineffective, it's null and it's void and it needs something to make it relevant. So that's the and other reason why- Energet put their, uh, their will upon exactly. other humans, yeah. And, and to me, I just want to interject, 
I think it's a direct result of us not being involved in consciousness and recognizing that nature works itself out. Now I get that we couldn't just go from here to anarchy tomorrow, you know, you know, maybe there does need to be some kind of transitionary phase with that. But, um, yeah, to me, it is just, um, we're just not evolved in consciousness. Um, and it's not true faith in, in how creation works. I don't know. That's just my, my opinion on it. No, I agree. And I think that that's the fundamental, um, problem with it is because it, it's, it's a, it's an insulation of consequence because you essentially are afraid that consequence will not be meted out in the proper way. Um, and it's a fear of losing control because it's like, Oh, well, how, how will we deal with the conflicts? And then everybody's just going to start killing each other. It's like most interactions are usually dealt are actually for the most part dealt with without any type of law or legal system or well, contract. Dude, most people deal this. with these conflicts. Yeah. But let's think about this. Like, so if we're dealing with a situation and then, um, let's just say we eradicate man's laws. And so now I'm dealing with a person one-on-one. -on -one. Let's just say I'm buying something from them or they're buying something from me. Now, all of a sudden, because man's laws are erased, this person is going to murder me or steal it. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's nonsensical to think about. Most people are not wired that way, you know? And we, I think the pro the real root of the problem is not um, economic slavery as this system proposes it's morality and consciousness and mm -hmm. recognition of true natural law and how it operates. I think that's the real root of, of our problems today. Not, not the fact that we are just debt slaves to the controller class. Yes, that's a problem, but also that is a symptom of an underlying cause that we're trying to address here. Definitely. And, um, the, the, you know, the, the, um, financial system is a symptom. The, the legal system is a symptom, you know, um, the, the, the health issue, the health crisis thing is a symptom. And it is, and it is basically primarily because we largely on a large scale, humanity is unable to go to the source of the issue, which is at the fundamental basis is that, and I, I, this is something that I've just had to come to recognition of recently again, is that it, it, if you're not looking for the source of the issue, not only that, then you're, then once you get down to, Oh, well, things aren't going according to this law. Well, that, and that testifies to there being a creative force behind this. And if you, if you can't, you know, like you're, you're not digging, digging all to the, all the way to the deep. That's my, that's my, you know, personal um, conclusion that I've come to recently, but this, as it plays out in the, in the physical world, this, you know, this, we, we, we sort of, um, you know, we, we misdirect it into all these different supposed, uh, you know, symptoms. And then we think that those are the main thing. Um, mm -hmm. but it's, it's because we haven't come to terms with that fact that the individual is their own responsibility and that's it. And that's it. Like it entirely, like you, you can only ever, like you can protect those around you if they're unable to, but you really, your responsibility is your, you can only do that by understanding that you are the one taking the action. So it has to be, it has to be applied um, from the individual level, which is um, to me, another, another refutation of the idea of common law in the sense that it's common means all of us together. There is no, it, it's, it, it natural law 
applies to all of humanity, but it imply it applies primarily to the individual because the individual is the only person that can, that can enact that because the individual is the only person I can never make any other being do anything. Now, any type of, and it doesn't matter any form of system that is based off of the concept of intervening within conflicts in order to distribute and delegate consequence is fundamentally and primarily attempting to usurp and sidestep and circumvent the inherent functions of natural law that are applicable and working within the universe at all times. So any attempt to apply a legal or law or equity system, any of it is an attempt to remove from yourself the personal responsibility to live a life that is morally and ethically aligned with the fundamental simple law of natural law. And it's trying to put that out and apply that to other people. Even, even the, the most well-intentioned common law systems, contract. It, it, to me, I, I, there was like a, a, just to give like a sort of like a personal anecdote that kind of brought to light why I don't even think that that's, so some people will say that th those for, that form of law is, 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 is applicable um, for a short-term solution. So this is, this is where in, in, in my personal life, I see that as, as not really even the, the, um, the optimal. So under circumstances, I'm, I'm a musician and I produce music for certain people. There have been certain situations where people agreed to pay me a certain amount. I made the project or I, or I, or I did something to it, you know, engineered or whatever. And then I wasn't paid what I was promised or other situations like that. Now people have been like, Oh, well, did you get a contract? No, I didn't get a contract. Well, then you would have got your money. Well, here's my thing. I now, I now know what those people's true colors are. And if, if I would have just basically kept them in check by contract, I, I would prefer that they screw me over and that I learn their actual moral character, because that's what really it needs to change because I can keep people in check with contracts and notices and all this different stuff all day long. But that doesn't really, that if, if, if people, that's, that's the main problem is that people will, will are recognizing that natural law is something that should be taken into consideration, but then they're conflating it with, with all these other things. So yeah. then it's obfuscating the simplicity of it. And then it usually complicates it by a whole bunch of different complicated steps and really, you know, intricate understandings and, and specific understandings of words. And instead of looking at the etymology and, and understanding what that word means. And also, yes, of course, dialect and how words change and stuff like that is based off of, off of, you know, current usage, but then it becomes way too complicated. So, Natural law is in, in, you know, I'm, I'm in each one of these. It's not this I, I'm, we're trying to say like, look and apply, see how, if you just understand natural law from those basic, from the basic principle claim that we're, what we're addressing about it, you would see that, well, you're not really getting a more moral world by applying, a, a, um, you know, or force. applying, yeah, by applying force or a legal system or a lawful system, um, it, because it's at the very best you can force a human law system to conform to natural law in a small degree, but you also still have that component of force 
and coercion that's there. So by virtue, it then automatically nullifies it as having any overlap with, with natural law in and of itself. So the hypothesis of overlap theory hasn't really been achieved by any legal system or law system whatsoever, lowercase l law system. Um, well, and a look back at history, a, yeah. a simple look back at history will show you that is 100% true, right? <laughs> I mean, we may start out with the best of intentions. I mean, truly, we may start out with the best of intentions, you know, elect yeah. the right people or whatever. Eventually, it will turn into um, exactly what we have today, you know, a completely um, tyrannical government. It's just where it ends up, you know, because, because we don't focus on the root of the problem, morality and consciousness, we are going to end up in the same spot, you know, 200 years from now, if we, if we scrapped what we currently have and instituted a uh, system based on, you know, uh, what the common law is proposing um, where we have good elected officials and judges and people that are truly representing, representing the people, um, you know, <laughs> you know, um, we're going to end up in the same place because we're skipping, we're trying to slap a bandaid on a larger problem. We're not addressing the actual root of the problem. And, and to me, dude, it just, oh, look, no, it's cool. Um, just looking back at the, I like to think of these things as, as big picture, you know, we have, we have a uh, government that sprays our skies every day with heavy metals, you know, and, and this has been proven. And we have a government that performs psychological operations worldwide on people. And we have, you know, they they'll murder their own people. And we expect to just opt out of the legal system via this I understand it's not a loophole. It's how it actually is. Right. Or that's what is being proposed. You know, this is what we're truly, this is our, the people's legal system, you know, but that's not going to fly. You know, we have a people that are hell bent on taking, taking over the world right now and just writing a, an affidavit to whoever's pissing you off at the time is not going to do it, man. We have to evolve morally collectively on a, and like right now, so this is why I think um, sidestepping that responsibility and just focusing on paperwork and shit like that to get out of it, they're not going to allow millions and millions of people to skip out on a system. Um, it's just not going to happen. I think that's, that's fairy tale stuff. Absolutely. I agree. Um, because ultimately they gave us those, those systems and legal systems. Those were developed as a way to dress up to dress up the tyranny, to dress up the, what is inherently a form of slavery. It's political slavery. So by them dressing it up that way, well, once people start to realize, and even just like marginally, even in, in, in a large degree, oh, well, I don't want to be part of this anymore. And then they start using the system. There's nothing, they don't, they don't, they don't acknowledge that. They make, they make the, like, I'm just basically reiterating what you said. They make their, their, you know, their agents, enact terrible things on a day-to-day -day basis. They will use people to, to put that, and I'm not gonna say will, but like, I just think it's improbable to think that, that, yeah, that it, it, will be, it will be dealt with realistically that way. And like, good intentions are great, but 
it, I, it kind of reminds me of this Robert Anton Wilson quote. He said, um, governments are based principally on force and deception. Uh, democratic governments are based chiefly on deception, other governments on force. And democratic governments, if you get uppity, give up on the deception and resort to brute, brute force, as a lot of us found out in the 60s. Those who didn't find out in the 60s will find out in the near future because we're going to have a rerun. Well, we're finding out, Remy. <laughs> we yeah. are finding out, man. We're there. Yeah. And because kind of going back to what you said, um, if you have, um, a system that you, you started off fresh and we do it like a little bit different. And then we, you know, people are representatives again, and then it's, you know, it's, and and then it's, it's a representative Republic, not a dump as you know, would be, it would be pointed out by, um, um, a lot of the, you know, the people who are having a resurgence in, in constitutional and, you know, common law stuff is that, it would be a representative republic, not a not a democracy. So the the functional dynamic there is that somebody is representing you. So either way, whether it be a democratic, which is you know the mob, all in or republic, which is you know basically minutia of difference between the two, um, basically the same fundamental. Somebody representing you and enacting laws to punish the bad people. It, it must degrade into that tyranny. It's the only way that it can go because it is fundamentally based on an error in, in, uh, an error in logic and an error in, in morality, which is that there are certain people who have the right to issue commands. And if people break those commands, whatever they just so happen to be, because it's our law, because we decided on it together as a society, which is just moral relativism. If you have a system that's based on that claim, it will degrade into totalitarianism because it's not different in principle it's different in degree so a representative republic is different in degree to a totalitarian full-on police state but it's not different in principle the fundamental claim is exactly the same we get to tell you what to do if you don't do what we tell you to do then you get punished for it that's the problem there. And you can't, you know, you, you can't gloss over that. So another thing that natural law, it, it basically it's natural law is not common or is not, um, is not compatible with social contract theory. It's not a compatible with this concept of social Darwinism is not compatible with this common law system as much as the common law proponents are going to probably be at least a little bit peeved at that. Um, the logic just doesn't stand. Um, it doesn't stand. There's too many, too many problems there. And there's more than that. I'm not going to go through the whole, there's a lot of problems with the, with the common law thing. And I don't want to spend the whole time talking about that. So yeah, yeah. I, I do, but the reason why I, I felt a like disclaimer it, there, you go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. No, one thing I was going to say is that the, the, the reason why I did want to address this is because it is a very, very big, um, it's a very big trend right now. There's a lot of people going that route. And I kind of just watched it play out for a while because I was like trying to gauge it. Um, but it, it, it's, it's, it's a very big, big trend that's going on right now. And I'm not, um, I'm just not convinced by it. And I, in fact, I am fully convinced otherwise because I've just put, I put all of the claims, all of the, the details, all the different, all the different, you know, hypothetical dynamics that that are claimed as making it a legitimate system with all of the implied consent and tacit consent and all this stuff um 
it, it's just not a viable thing and I've seen it grow. So I wanted to address that because I know that when people hear us talk about this, there's going to be a section of people or a large segment of them that are going to think, oh yeah, this is that, you know, that thing that, that people talk about. And then they talk about, well, next, you know, well, okay. What, what, you know, what forms did you guys suggest? All right. I'm not going to suggest anybody write any form. I'm going to suggest that people take ownership of themselves and be prepared that in a world where slavery is the standard, then understanding that your freedom is inherent and that your self-ownership is inherent isn't just going to be a cakewalk and it's not going to be a walk in the park and you're not going to be able to get out by just by there's no simple easy steps to that it's a simple step in the sense that it's you taking full ownership of yourself full ownership of your actions full ownership of your thoughts full ownership of your emotions and recognizing that that is how you change things by, by aligning with the law of nature, the law of spirit, the law of the universe, and putting all of your thoughts, your emotions and actions through that ringer constantly and doing the hard work of making sure that they line up with that fundamental, all-encompassing, omnipresent, omnipotent principle that is put forth into the universe. Yes, beautifully said, man. That's the thing is like, Again, this kind of, to me, it kind of just proposes an easy button. And that's what humanity kind of looks for is just to click that easy button, you know, like on the commercial, it's like, oh, here's the easy button. It's like, that's the people that, that run this place know exactly how humans operate. And they know that humans are like, have been conditioned to look for the easy button. And so they're like, yeah, if I just write, fill out some paperwork and, um, you know, do this and that, then I can have my freedom and I don't have to really do any work other than that, you know, but really being in unity consciousness and aligning yourself um, and bettering yourself is a constant process daily. And, you know, and just, like I said, just um, doing some paperwork to, to, to think that that's going to get your freedom back is, is incredibly naive on my part. And I know that's going to piss some people off, but you know, I also think if that does piss you off, you need to have enough respect for truth, you know, to have enough respect for um, creation and the laws that are in place for creation and understanding that we don't need to enforce our laws, you know, at man's laws on other people, you know, it'll naturally work itself out. That's what, it's how this place works. So, and also I wanted to add the uh, disclaimer that I'm, I also think, you know, as long as we have this absurd system, if maybe, um, you know, writing an affidavit or whatever it is, is going to help you with your job, get by with your job a little bit longer so you can provide for your family. I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. Um, so I'm not saying it's, um, I do think it's, I don't think people should view it through the lens of this is how I get my freedom, but I think people should start making the steps now to actually abide by um, and get in alignment with true natural law. But, you know, if you can use it as a little temporary bandaid to get to limp along with your job, who's going to enforce tyranny on you, then, you know, use it. But um, as a long-term solution, no way, man, in my opinion. No, I agree with that entirely. So, um, yeah, I think that, uh, which brings another, another thing to mind about, about the concept. Um, there is the idea that we are dealing with a system, uh, the legal system that is, you know, they use all their word magic and all that stuff. 
uh, they use, you know, double meanings of words that mean something, but they're, but they sound like this. And I, I agree that knowing and understanding that they're playing a mental game with you. And there's like a neuro neurolinguistic program going on with all of these legal terms and stuff like that. I do think it is valuable to know and understand that that's being done to humanity. I do think it's important to understand that they're implying ownership over your body by a birth certificate and, and that you're an account with a social security number. But I, I, however, I don't agree that the way to solve that is to remain in the system and ask for permission by using, even if you say, well, it's not the system, it's a part that exceeds its jurisdiction. It's still part of the general philosophy. Using that to get out of it, to me, is counterproductive. Um, so getting out of it would be much more, getting out of it by saying, I don't involve myself with what is to me akin to a, a, a essentially a dark magic cult all of these words and games that I, I don't ascribe to this cult that you're, that mm -hmm. you're part of the, the legal system. And so therefore I don't, I don't ascribe to a lesser version of it, which is essentially what, you know, the, the concept of, of steps mm -hmm. of jurisdiction claims is that it, it still maintains light. it. What, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm, you know, so that's maybe something that I would say uh, as a suggestion, think about is that, if, if you think that the core issue of it is that these people are playing these word games with you, well, why would you keep appealing to their definitions as if they actually change, the, change reality? Why would you keep appealing to their dynamics that they claim happen when, as if it changes the function of the cosmos just because people consent doesn't change whether an action is right or wrong. An action is right or wrong based off of its fundamental dynamics, which is why they say rights are inherent. In other words, a right action is inherently either right or a wrong action is inherently either, is either inherently right or, or if it's not a right, then it's a wrong. So applying this concept of, um, oh, well, once you consent, then you have basically consented to be a slave. It's like you can never consent to being a slave because a yeah. slave dynamic is an inherently immoral dynamic within the universe and it can never be a right therefore it can never be legitimate therefore it's not even actually an action that's occurring it's an action that's being um you know postured as a real action that is being achieved through excessive use of force um and so by exceeding one's own actual limitations and boundaries you have created a dynamic that mimics the claim that you're making i.e i own a slave and your the dynamic that you have created mimics that claim but reality does not concede to that concept reality does not concede to your your claim that slavery is legitimate no matter how many people you convince of it now this idea that the truth will change based off of a lot of people um, believing it is acknowledged a lot within the freedom movement but then they will simultaneously say oh well if you can if you can consent to this system then you are basically making it okay no you can never make slavery okay you can never make the ownership of another being okay just because they so-called consent because consenting under coercion and duress is not consent that's compliance and that is complicity so to be compliant because you are acting in a sense in self-defense is not an actual legitimization of the act or the dynamic in and of itself. And that is primarily my main issue with the concept that any of these legal systems are in any sense compatible with natural law. They are not. Well said. All right. You don't want to move on without hammering, hammering yes. on that too much. Yes. And right. now that's a perfect, uh, a perfect um, uh, segue because 
uh, natural law transgression. So while we're, while we're in the, in the trend of, um, of saying what things are not, then let's look at what a, what, what's, what are actions that actually do, um, leave the realm of legitimacy within, within natural law, um, principles or within truthful harmonious dynamics. Very simply, if, um, it does not cause harm, it is a right, right? And yeah. all of this can be, um, all of the transgressions can essentially be boiled down and maybe we go through them one by one, but yeah. all of the transgressions can essentially be boiled down to do not steal, you know, do not mm -hmm. steal a person's life, do not steal their property, do not steal their, um, you know, private sense of well-being, like in their home, if you're trespassing, um, it all, it can all be boiled down to don't steal to make right. it super simple. Um, and then again, if it causes, if your action causes harm to another being, then obviously it is a wrong action. Very simply put. Very simply put. And, and that's, that's, it's fully observable and, and rational and logical within the, the practical realm. You have, you don't steal because another person is their own property. So you don't steal their life, which is murder. That's one. You don't steal their well-being, which is assault which is the second you don't steal their right to their procreative abilities, which is stealing their, the sanctity of their sexuality, which is rape or you yeah, ability to choose their partners. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you don't steal someone's actual physical, um, items that they're using, um, which is theft, actual theft of, 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 you know, materials, um, you don't steal somebody's well-being within their own within their own home, which is trespass. You don't steal somebody's ability to make decisions freely about the decisions that they're about the actions that they're going to take, which is coercion. Um, and you don't steal um, somebody's ability to make um, you know informed decisions if you have certain information that is relevant. So that's lying. So like a purpose, a purposefully withholding information that is relevant to a cause and effect situation, right? So that's like the most um, abstract out of all of them, but there is a practical component to it because you're dealing with information that is directly related to a cause and effect situation. So if you see somebody is about to get murdered and you say something, say nothing about it, you just walk by and you just, then you have in a sense, not done your part to prevent a negative or uh, immoral action. Um, now, I do kind of want to say that if you boil it down to this basic idea of don't steal, um, there are still sort of prerequisites to that. So that so the don't steal thing is, is the practical thing. So if you want to look at it in a practical sense, how do we live a way that is compatible with natural law? Don't steal things. There you go. That's how you put it into practice and you keep doing it. You don't support systems that, that, that condone for any reason, any of those things. And if you look at those basic seven things and you look at any system that's in, enacted, if any of those things occur, any of those trans, transgressions occur within that system, then the system therefore must be necessitatively illegitimate. Um, so uh, do you have anything to add to that before? There's another point that I kind of want to point at, as far as like a prerequisite to the don't steal, because there might be people who are curious and say, well, how do you, you know, how do you even establish that? But do you have anything? To no, add go to ahead. That? No, no. I thought that was great. What you put, cool. what you said. Sweet. So, yeah. So um, 
Now that's, that is already within the realm of, of, of I'm a person and I want to live a certain way. And I've, I've kind of done the philosophical work of saying, I, I recognize there's a difference between a right and wrong behavior. Now, um, in a more uh, philosophical sense, this is actually, and, and from what, how I've observed it and, um, it, you know, just kind of tossing this out there, this is, uh, um, this is really coming down to the philosophical understanding of self-ownership because you first have to have uh, an understanding of self-ownership um, to even begin understanding the idea of not stealing, right? So I own myself. I own myself, which means now people will see that and sort of say, oh, you own your oh, properties. You know, there's been, there's been a lot of confusing political um, dialectics over the concept of, of, of property. So um, just in a very, I'll, I'll try to address that in, in this. So self-ownership is key, right? So a, a self-ownership is, is, is a privilege in the sense that I own myself. That's great. I can, nobody can make actions for me. Nobody can tell me to do certain things. It's my responsibility to, to determine the, the moral value of the actions that I make. Um, and so that means that self-ownership also implies self-responsibility. So when you own yourself, you also then have to own the consequences that you create. You have to own the, the, um, you know, the inherent, uh, you know, results of what you're doing. So ownership is not just all fun and games. I own me. I could do whatever I want. It doesn't matter. Like I make because then that, that's a, that, that's where you're getting it back into this concept of moral relativism. And, and that's an illogical and, um, unviable, um, you know, uh, premise to, to thinking and to reality. So self-ownership is key. And so once you recognize that fundamental idea, I own myself, then you will, as long as you're not a solipsist, you will by, by virtue, recognize that all other beings own themselves as well. And so this recognition of I am, you know, I am me. And, and that's why knowledge of knowledge of self, of, of true self, of what it means to be a, a conscious being is, is really, really important here because it's going to lead you to the understanding that I own myself and that I am a, a unified example or um, mirror of the fundamental of creation of, of, of mind. And so by recognizing that, then you will recognize that others are just different versions of that. So then you will then begin to understand the concept of boundary. And that's where that self-ownership builds the ground for you being able to understand, I can't exceed the boundary of other people that have not given me that, you know, that permission to do so. And if you are harming them, it, it, harm is, in, is inherent. You know what harm is? It's when you hurt people, you know? So if you're doing that, nobody can be, can consent to harm in a sense, because harm happens as an involuntary act. So that's, you know, so that's the, 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 the basis of, so, okay, well, once you own yourself, then you recognize, okay, other beings own themselves as well. So then you cannot exceed. And so within um, ancient metaphysics, and I, I believe it was, it was some of the Greek philosophers and even some of the ancient Indian philosophers said that all sin is excess. All forms of sin or transgression are excess. And I would agree with that. And I think that that's actually completely compatible with the idea of all natural law transgressions being don't steal, because that means that you are exceeding your individual boundaries of, um, of, of, of the use of your life force. So you are not excessively using your life force, which is where I think the concept of excessive use of force obviously comes from. It's a, it's a spiritual concept. I think 
largely that's applied to and seen within the the um the dynamics of the the physical world through force and motion and so that's you know that's yeah another thing that i wanted to sort of highlight as far as like how we even begin to recognize what could even be a transgression within the the concept of natural law yeah no i'm glad you uh you interjected that because that is kind of a huge point to be able to come to awareness that you are um, responsible for yourself. You know, that's a huge one, man, because they, they give you the opportunity to relinquish that responsibility to everyone, to debt, mommy and daddy government, you know, to the, you know, the institutions um, saying, you know, the priests in the white lab coats, those guys, you know, they give you every opportunity to hand off your responsibility for yourself. And so you can grow up in this system and be basically an adult child walking around. And that's what we have largely today um, as nicely as I can put that, you know, and basically, you know, what Remy and I are kind of advocating for is like extreme personal responsibility you know, in every aspect of your life. And, um, it's the hard road, you know, and it's the, it's the path that is least chosen. It's, um, it's that center path. So, um, yeah, man. Um, where do you, uh, where do you want to go from here? Well, you have I, I, a thought on that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, that's like, uh, you said like it, it's serious personal responsibility, very, you know, like extreme, um, self-ownership. Yeah. And that means that how many things do you, have you thought and believed, you know, across the span of your life? So it's like you, that means that there are constantly going to be things that you have to be honest and look at and be like, oh, wow. Well, I was sort of, um, trying to abdicate my personal responsibility by believing or thinking that thing. And I, I mean, I've, I've done it. I I've done it multiple times. I did it recently. You know, I, I brought this up last time. There are certain perspectives in sciences that I had to put through the ringer and realize, oh, that's not, that's not actually a viable science. So, um, or scientific claim. So now how does that apply to this? It, it does. Cause, because your knowledge, your understanding is what informs your actions. And the more accurate you are with your understandings about as many things as you possibly can, then you are going to get more harmonious and more effective benefits from your actions. Um, so if that requires you looking at every single thing that you believed in and systematically going through that and then, you know, scrutinizing it, then you're going to come to a better understanding of the truth underlying all of these different belief systems and systems that you, that you support. And by recognizing when it is incompatible with truth and with, with natural law, then you effectively have removed a potential error in your future actions. And that's, there's no, there's, there's, there's no, no, there's no, there's nothing small about that. That's humongous. So that is the primary function of personal responsibility. And it doesn't, you know, it's, it's, it has to continue. It has to continue throughout your life. It's a goal. It's a, it's, it's a method of, of approach that you have to consciously and willfully sustain throughout your, throughout your, your, all of your actions and all of your, all of your time here. Totally agree, man. Yeah, that was, uh, that was well put. And it's, again, this is just, um, the, uh, system trying to remove the action portion of thoughts, thought, emotion, and action, trying to get you out of sync with unity consciousness and therefore get you out of sync with, uh, natural law and, the um, 
and nat- and nature essentially I mean, god and um his creation yeah yeah all right yeah so we're getting i think we're getting pretty close to wrapping up i do want to just jump touch on a few little small points um uh just to kind of you know uh, refer back to uh, the what it's not thing, but now kind of more so addressing just in the philosophies I think that are that are incompatible. Um, and these are two main philosophies that are diametrically opposed, absolutely incompatible, and completely exclusive from the concept of natural law. Um, first one being moral relativism. So the idea of moral relativism can't jive with natural law. It just, it, it's because the fundamental claims are absolutely opposite. Moral relativism is that each individual gets to define what right or wrong actions are, or that each individual or a group of individuals or um, one person versus another person or one versus 20, you don't know, see what I mean? It's, it's just the basis of the claim that beings can decide what's right or wrong or in other words, define and thereby actually modify actions to become right actions that were once wrong or wrong actions now could be made right as, as, as is the claim within the concept of moral relativism. And another, another way that moral relativism plays out is sort of like a passive moral relativism where people are like, I don't really know right or wrong because right or wrong doesn't really exist. So whatever. Um, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't enact itself as passive, but that sort of attitude towards morality, which is kind of like an apathetic moral relativism. Oh, well, we don't really know what right or wrong is. It's just a human concept. That's these ideas are completely opposed to this because recognizing, first of all, logically that couldn't even make sense because when you hurt someone that happened in the real world, that happened, there was an actual other person that you hurt. And when you experience that suffering, when you cause that suffering, that exists now within, that's outside of the world of concept. It's actually a thing that happened now. So as a result, that means that the underlying dynamics, which bring into question, was this a legitimate action? Why do I have a problem with this action? I.e. natural justice completely gets rid of the idea of moral relativism. And if you believe that moral relativism is a, is a, is a, you know, is a, a, a viable claim for reality. That means that either there are no wrong actions whatsoever or this, the system doesn't work. So if you, if you live to the idea of moral relativism, you cannot claim injustice happens whatsoever because injustice, mm-hmm. injustice is inherently functionally tied to the concept of right and wrong. So that's one, one philosophy or ideology, I would say, moral relativism that is completely out of sync with, with well, natural And law. again, it's like I touched on earlier. It's like I can, I can carry a gun in this state and then I cross the imaginary line that we've uh, divided up. And, and over here on this piece of land, it is immoral for you to do that. This is moral relativism in action. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's okay to have this plant over here but whenever you cross over here, it is illegal um, to have that plant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. I mean, yeah. it's just nonsensical to to claim that to be a valid worldview, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and and um, you know, the critics would say, well, that's because you're not, you know, because you've identified within their system, and so you have to just identify 
as something, but what that doesn't really get rid of the issue of the moral relativism underlying it, because that's basically just playing into the moral relativism and saying, well, I'm going to make it, it was wrong until I made it right again by the right steps. So moral relativism is a killer, man. It's, it's like, it's, it's everywhere. And unless you acknowledge that it's a, that that's at the crux, you know, as of a, a, as a, as a world ideology, um, between that's where you diverge into complete absurdity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that does, it builds, it builds up the ability. It's the, it's the philos- or the ideological um, foundation for the concept of rulership basically. Yeah. So you can't really even have rulership without having this concept of moral relativism. So I'm, you, I'm, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, so you, you, if you address that philosophical error at its root, then you don't, then anything subsequent to that doesn't matter how intricate it gets is still false. Um, yeah. The the intricacy of a subs uh, uh, of a the subsequent intricacies of a system, just because it gets complicated and and really intricate and really you know all these different steps doesn't actually testify to its legitimacy. Generally, again, Occam's razor: if it becomes more and more and more complicated to have to be considered true and more and more confusing, it's probably not true. And I think that that moral yeah. relativism is one of those things. You just have to keep on compounding explanations and excuses. Yeah. Yep. And you know, the whole thing's built on, on sand anyways, you know, the whole idea that, um, however you personally feel about a situation, you can kind of justify it and make it, um, moral in your head, you know, well, I had to murder that person in order to get know my inheritance and i needed it more than them or something crazy like that (laughs) you know what i mean um so i mean you see this today man you can see people justifying the wildest shit you've ever seen in their heads and and then saying coming up with some kind of justification for it and that's just this is how we get chaos in our society you know it ties back with the law of freedom as morality increases freedom increases as it decreases freedom decreases and um you know, that's why natural law is so beautiful to recognize because it gives us a solid foundation to stand on and with which to build. So, Absolutely. You want to, should we, should we get into solipsism or you want to, did you have yeah. something else you want to add to that? No, that's, I think, yeah, I think that covers it. Um, and because that's also, that's largely connected to this concept of solipsism. I mean, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily tied in, but it's very common that these two exist within the same within the same mind generally. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, solipsism means soul only in ipsis I. So there's only me, you know, that's what that solipsism is. Solipsism is like, I mean, it is the most intense um, narcissism that you could possibly imagine. It's not just like, I only care about myself. It's that actually I only know that I exist because I'm the only being that exists. And it's not coming to the conclusion that once you've, once you've really kind of, really processed and, and taken into consideration your subjective experience, your individual soul. It, and it's not that once you've done that, then you recognize, oh my gosh, I am an individual being. And well, look at, there's all these other beings that are sort of like another version of that as me. And, and it's, it's, it's not that it's, it's that you go within and then you decide nothing else outside of me. I can even know exists. And I can't even contact the outside world. And if there was some form of knowledge that's, that's achievable, well, I can't actually achieve any 
connection with anything outside of myself because sensation is the, is the limit of my universe. So this is, this is dangerous grounds for, um, it, it does really lay the grounds for more relativism. And it also lays the grounds for creating essentially a psychopath or at the very least a sociopath. Yeah, because, the idea, the idea yeah. that only your experience can be true. It, mm-hmm. And it completely rules out that there's any objective truth to the world it completely rules out that there's any such thing as natural law, you know, because it, the only thing that's true exists in your head, you know, that only your experience can be true. Everything else is just kind of muddy, muddy waters, you know, could be true, but I don't know because I didn't experience it directly. You know, mm-hmm. this is how you get a chaotic society by subscribing to a belief system like this. Right. And there's a lot of logical errors with it too, because if you, if somebody says, oh, well, yeah, well, within, within your own world, you can imagine that, that there is a, a, you know, a grand order to the, to the universe and that, but you just imagine that, well, that means that I had to have had that concept already within me. So in other words, the inherent concept of universal order had to exist within me as a, as a unit that is isolated and is just this one atom within the rest of the universe that that it's there's it's 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 an absurdity there there has to it's like the same idea that saying oh you can never have knowledge well you have to know something to be able to make that claim so it just it's circular reasoning that cancels itself out um and it's the same thing with solipsism solipsism is that and it's you know i think we did mention this before when we did the truth and knowledge one on our last one but um solipsism you can't you can't it doesn't, it, it can't imply any type of, of solution within the world because there is no world. So it, these are the things to look out for. Look for, these are the, the ideas that do not, that do not um, work within the concept of natural law. And, and so, you know, this is the, this is the, the listener's responsibility to, to look at these ideas and put, put these concepts through your head and see which one makes any, see which one makes sense. See which one has, bears fruits of any type of progress um, if it, if, if by applying this within your mind, within your actions, if, if you could see that even working past just the claim itself, it, it, it's going to require, again, this is why I said, we can't go up to the top of the mountain and bring this information down for you and be like, Hey, here you go. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it, it's, it's, it is the work of the, of the individual, but the individual is not damned to their own experience. Again, so that's why it's like, don't once, oh, it's the individual's responsibility. That doesn't mean that I'm implying a solipsistic reality where, oh, well, the individual only knows what they know because you have to bridge. You have to recognize that there's a bridge between your consciousness and the, so, and the perceived outside world. There's a, a there's a, a, a bridge between the consciousness that, that you are and other beings and that's what empathy is. And so it requires care. You're, you have to care enough to even, to even do this. And the, 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 the modality of care or of, of, you know, empathy is absolutely integral and necessary for this. It's, it can't just be a mechanistic thing. It's, you have to care enough and you have to really, you know, apply yourself to, to recognizing that there is, there is this. Now I've, I've gone down, I can't even tell you how many, how many, you know, 
paths of, of research and trying to, to gauge this, this idea. And it's, it's, it's monumental. And, and it's not I, this, this podcast or any podcast is not here to tell you that this is where you're going to get it. You're going to get it once you care enough to plumb the depths of every single thing that you come across and you, and you'll find, you know, seek, seek and you shall find, right. You're going to find the truth when you look for it. And it will, and, and I'm confident that it will not lead you to the conclusion that everything is just a chaotic mess. There's an order to the universe. It's very apparent that there is in the most simple sense. So therefore that implies that there must be a singular order that brings the overall order that we see. Well said. And, um, that to me has been one of the most frustrating aspects is how do you cultivate care in, in human beings that have largely been conditioned to not care, you know, to, um, to not take action. And, you know, it's not in my personality to just be kind of, um, lazy, I guess, you know, and, but, to me, it's like, you know, that's just, you see how, how big a job there is to do whenever you look out at the collective consciousness of people, because there's just hardly any care out there, man, other than, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's an, I think there are echo chambers online that exist. You and I, you and I are in those yeah. daily doing battle, but, um, uh, you know, it's just like the, the culture we've created, we've been presented with, I should say, is largely to get you focused on nonsense and not truly cultivate care and, you know, bettering and evolving yourself, you know, getting to higher levels of consciousness and, you know, evolving your spirit as uh, Steiner puts it, you know, um, mm -hmm. I just, that's been the most frustrating thing for me because I think, I do think that you can't force people I think it has to come from within. I think they, you know, they have to get some kind of impulse from, from somewhere to, to cultivate some will to get off their ass and say, okay, I need to, I need to do this, um, to evolve, um, to evolve myself, to get better. Otherwise, um, we're just going to be, you know, stuck in a child state of consciousness until we die. You yeah. know, and, and who the hell wants to do that? Who, I mean, take an honest look at yourself and you want to do that. You want to remain a, a 16 year old in your head until you're a hundred or whenever you kick the bucket. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, and that's, that's really another, you know, it really boils down to that. We can't make people care enough to do it. Um, and it's really interesting because that frustrating dynamic, what could, it could seem frustrating is really it to me it, it testifies to the fact that it really does have to be done by each individual because every system that we have applied all these external systems have done nothing to prevent a decay mm -hmm. into into this again you know so it's like moral of the story is or you know for me the conclusion is that as as it stands natural law to me is well as it stands natural law is a it is a form of knowledge that can be discovered and, and applied by the individual. Um, and this natural order, this natural law can be recognized, recollected, like recollected and understood only through free will and individual effort, only through free will and individual effort, because the individual is a representation of the of the absolute. And so you have to, you have to learn that lesson that you're going, that you are, are to be, 
you are, you're here to, to, to learn the lesson of reconnecting with the absolute and then apply that harmoniously to life. So it is an individual effort. And that's the only way that this natural law and order can be recognized. It will be recollected. You're going to be, it's, it's about more about recollection. You're remembering, right? Um, it's not a system that could be enforced in any way or implemented upon other beings. It's, it can't happen that way because it, it, it's, this is, this is, it's, it's a fail safe. It's a fail safe of the universe that the proper method of, of application and solution cannot be forced and implemented on other beings because it, it, it's, it's there to show us that every time we try to do that game over, start over again, do it again. Um, and that is because exactly because natural law is always as an inherent function of the universe enacting and implying the, applying the necessary consequence in perfect proportion to what actions are being produced and enacted. So I'm gonna say that again, the reason why this fail safe exists and the reason why it must only be an individual effort is because natural law as the attributional representation of the absolute of the creator is an inherent function of the universe enacting and implying the necessary consequences in perfect proportion to what actions are being produced. Beautiful. And I also just wanted to add, um, as my last thought on, on natural law, um, again, I just wanted to reiterate that it, I think it is here for our maximum evolutionary progress. You know, I don't think it's here to, um, just kick your ass and keep you down. You know, I think it's here to help you evolve spiritually, um, you know, mentally, you know, help you evolve as a human being, as a whole human being holistically. And, um, like I said, and then to the control class, they want, they don't want you to know these things. They don't want you to know that there's natural law that you can align with and become a better human being. If you, um, get your shit together, essentially. And you can see that if humanity didn't have this knowledge, they had no idea that natural law existed. You can see how we're handicapped right from the start. You know, we're, we're already fighting an uphill battle because we don't have the knowledge we need to evolve um, holistically. So that, that's my last little point I want to interject that it's not here to punish and, you know, keep you down. Like it's here to help you evolve as a human being. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. And to that last point, um, as far as without having this understanding, it really, it puts you at a handicap, which is why this is this dynamic inherent to the universe is I, I do agree um, that this, is, when it's been said that this is the fundamental dynamic that is being occulted or hidden, this is what is being hidden at the root of all, uh, of, of all the mystery schools that, that eventually turned, turned dark and, and d decided that they wanted to hoard and own all of this information. And then it just become, it'd be, it's be, these mystery school traditions have become largely very egoic and, and, just self-aggrandizing and which has led us to this and humanity not having this information has is, is what's primarily leading us into this. So yeah, that's, yeah. We're liberating it, it, bro. We're liberating it. We're bringing it from, <laughs> we're bringing it from the, from, from the, from the caverns of 
of the, of the, you know, of the occult controllers. And, and mm-hmm. the thing is, I a hundred percent agree. It is, it's, it's, it's the lessons are here to, to help us un, unravel and, you know, to evolve, to truly evolve, to, to, to expand and to reach the next level. But, um, you know, this cyclical game, doing the same thing, expecting different results is actually a representation of why this, this, this vitally important understanding is at the core of why we are here where we're at. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think we should wrap it up. Yeah. I think, I think that was a good intro. I hope, I hope it resonated with people. Yeah. Yeah. So this is definitely, yeah, like a, this is definitely like a, 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 a basic primer of the, of the concept. Um, we'll probably get into some, some other things and then, you know, come back to this idea. If there's, I think there's, there's definitely going to be some questions, I think from this one, um, there's going to be probably some, you know, some disagreements amongst people, a lot of which are people that I do have actually legitimate respect for and, um, but have a disagreement in regards to some of the things that we discussed. Um, so I, yeah, you know, if, if there, I think I just want to open up the, open up the, the chat lines for, um, you know, message, send us a message or, or email text or whatever, and, you know, discuss this because, uh, it's definitely, we can't cover all of it. Um, there are always questions about like, well, what about, and well, what about, and I've thought about a lot of them. Um, so, uh, I try to stay on top of all the, the, the what ifs and stuff. So it, it, I think that, you know, we'll get, we'll get into it more. I think we can, there's, you know, there's endless ways that we can go with this. So, um, you know, you know, keep an eye on, 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 on the podcast for the future. Cause we're going to definitely re- we're going to touch back on this again. Um, but yeah, overall, this is just, you know, this is the, this is the, the crux of, or this is the, um, the focal point of, of where everything else is going to kind of branch off from. Um, and I think that, uh, as we go forward to address the various different topics, then it, it's really important to, to at least start on looking into this concept because it it will be applicable to the to the future um, topics that we're addressing because uh, we pretty much anything else is going to be a symptom of this being out of out of alignment. So yeah, beautiful, well said. I'm with you. All right, well, thank you for tuning in this week. Uh, we'll be back soon. Take care. Peace. Peace.